Good morning, everyone, and welcome. My name is Nathan Newdorf, and I'm the Minister of Affordability and Utilities. And I want to thank you all for joining us here today for this exciting update on Alberta's fuel tax relief program. I also want to thank New West Truck Centre for hosting us. I'm pleased to be standing here with Premier Danielle Smith and the President of Treasury Board and Minister of Finance, Nate Horner, as well as our special guest and host, Greg Stahl, CEO of New West Truck Centres. We're here today to provide Albertans with an update on our government's latest move in keeping life affordable. One more reason Alberta is the best place to live in all of Canada, great place to run a business and raise a family. Our government understands the financial pressures facing Albertans and how we need to take decisive action to, act, to address those pressures. And with that, it's my pleasure to now welcome to the, to the microphone Alberta's Premier, Danielle Smith. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so pleased to be here with Alberta's new Minister of Finance and President of the Treasury Board, Nate Horner, and our new Minister of Affordability and Utilities, Nathan Newdorf. And also to thank Greg Stahl, who's CEO of New West Trucking Centers, for letting us use your facility to make this announcement. Thank you for that. Seven weeks ago, I stood in Calgary to reiterate our commitment to keeping life affordable for Alberta families. Well, that, uh, while the cost of living continues to rise and life gets more expensive, Alberta's government will be there to help. And while Albertans continue to be burdened by a rising federal carbon tax, increasing the cost of groceries and making it more expensive to drive your vehicles, heat your homes, or run your businesses, Alberta's government will do what we can to help families manage. And that's why I'm so pleased to say that today we are filling the first of our campaign commitments to do just that. We are keeping our promise to Albertans by suspending the collection of the provincial fuel tax for another six months and ensuring that you continue to save the full 13 cents per litre when you fill up at the gas station. This will ensure that you get to keep an extra $6 to $18 in your pocket every time you fill up your vehicle. Pausing the full fuel tax on gasoline and diesel for the rest of the calendar year will put hundreds of millions of dollars back into the pockets of Albertans. But lower gas prices don't just leave more money in your pockets every time you fill up so that you and your families can save more of your hard-earned money. It also means lower cost to deliver services and supplies that Albertans need to live. Whether it's groceries, baby formula, or laundry detergent, lower fuel, fuel costs means shipping products to stores cost less, meaning that you'll be paying less for the things your family needs at the checkout. Many of Alberta's small business owners also rely on fuel to deliver the supplies and services Albertans need to live. So extending the fuel tax holiday will reduce costs for many of our small businesses and will help to support job creators amidst an increasingly challenging global economy. And it will ease the burden on those Albertans who are being forced to make difficult choices and sacrifices in order to support their families and make ends meet. While the current cost of living crisis is being fueled by out-of-control federal spending, the Bank of Canada, and international factors, Alberta's government is committed to making life more affordable when and where we have the ability to do so. And I look forward to working with our new Minister of Affordability and Utilities in the weeks and months ahead to continue to explore ways of keeping life more affordable. So thank you, and I'll now invite Minister Hordner forward. Yes, thank you, Premier. It's my pleasure to be here as Alberta's newly appointed Minister of Finance and President of Treasury Board. Just over a year ago, we introduced the Fuel Tax Relief Program to help Albertans save money at the pumps in response to high inflation. Since then, our efforts have saved Albertans an estimated $1.5 billion. 
Right now, Albertans are saving 13 cents on every litre of gasoline and diesel, a temporary measure that was scheduled to expire at the end of this month. So today I'm pleased to stand with the Premier as she announces that we're keeping our promise and extending the fuel tax pause to the end of this year so Alberta families will continue to save on gas and diesel. This move will save families between $8 and $16 every time they fill up their vehicle. These are real savings and savings Albertans will continue to see until the end of the year. That being said, it's not only families and individuals who are benefiting from these savings. Businesses like the one here rely on vehicles to move goods and serve their clients. At a time when everything is more expensive, these businesses need and welcome this relief. Rest assured that starting next year, our fuel tax pause program will continue to save Albertans money when average oil prices are $90 or higher. And Albertans will only pay the provincial fuel tax when oil prices fall below that amount. Even then, the tax would be reinstated on a stage schedule. We'll provide another program update before the oil price-based program retakes effect. In the meantime, extending the fuel tax pause builds further on Alberta's tax advantage, which sees Albertans and Alberta businesses pay some of the lowest overall taxes in the country. In fact, if Alberta had the same tax system as any other province, Albertans and Alberta businesses would pay over $20 billion more in taxes alone. We're helping Albertans to keep more of their hard-earned dollars and will continue to do so through programs like the Fuel Tax Pause. So thank you, and I'd now ask Greg Stahl, CEO of New West Truck Centres, to come to the mic and provide remarks. Thank you, Minister Horner. Good morning, I'm Greg Stahl, CEO of New West Truck Centres. We sell Freightliner trucks as well as parts and service with locations across central and southern Alberta, as well as one in Cranbrook, B.C., we're proud to host the Honourable Premier Smith for her announcement of the extension of the Fuel Tax Relief Program. This is very welcome news for our customers, who, which on average save $750 per truck per month with this announcement. It's also great for all Albertans that have felt the sting and pain of inflation to keep money in their pockets and in some instances food on the kitchen table. So Premier St Smith, Minister Newdorf, Minister Horner, thank you for joining us in our home today for this great news. At this time, I would like to Minister Newdorf back to make some closing comments. Thank you. Thank you, Greg, and thank you again for your hospitality today. Thank you, Minister Horner and Premier Smith for your leadership on this initiative. I'll now turn things over to the Premier's Press Secretary, Sam Blackett, to moderate questions from reporters. Thank you. We'll be going with one question, one follow-up today. Please state your name and outlet before asking a question. We'll start off on the floor here. If you have a question, please make your way up to the mic. Hi, uh, Tiffany Roquette from CBC French, <laughs> right here. Um, just to start on the fuel tax, the reason why there was a stage approach before was so that the finances were not going to take a hit. The price of WTI has been way down $90 for a while. Are you not worried about the finances, the surplus with having this measure keep going on and on? Well, I'll, I'll let uh, Minister Horner talk about the state of the where we find ourselves with the finances. I believe we're coming to the end of Q1 here at the end of June, so he's got a bit of a, an idea of uh, what things look like going forward. But 
look, we, we said that we would take affordability measures as long as we had an inflation crisis. And I'm seeing that, of course, the, the Bank of Canada increasing rates again, that's an indication that the inflation crisis is not over. It impacts families. It impacts small businesses. And so I would look at this as a, a way for us to keep our commitment to, to making sure that, that we make life more affordable for families. And I'll just turn it over to Minister Horner to give you an idea of where we find ourselves. Sure. Thank you, Premier, and thank you for the question. I, I think it's important to remember that uh, this was a campaign promise, so we're, we're following through on that promise to Albertans. Also, the affordability crisis uh, is still a primary concern for Albertans and Canadians, and that this, this uh, measure specifically has been, uh, has, has been considered one of the main reasons we've been able to keep inflation lower here than anywhere else in the country. Uh, but you're not wrong. Oil has been below forecast. Uh, but I think as, as Albertans will see at the first quarter reporting at the end of August, there's other things uh, within the, the, the first quarter of this fiscal year that gives a lot of cautious optimism to us as, a, as the Treasury Board and uh, Minister of Finance. So it'll take a little time to see those things, but there's a lot of things happening in Alberta's economy that is, are very good news for us going forward. And that, that's why we're able to do this today. And on a different topic, um, Premier, you're going to meet uh, Jonathan Wilkinson and Dominique LeBlanc in a few hours. Uh, what are the points that you're going to make? Like, uh, I know you want members at the council. Do you have an exact numbers of Alberta members you want in that council? What's the attitude and the atmosphere you're going to have in this meeting? When I got elected, I knew that there were three pieces of legislation the federal government was intending to come down with. And without adequate con uh, consultation with Alberta, and also interfering in our areas of jurisdiction. One was what they were calling their just transitions law, which we knew of by using that language that it set the expectation of phasing out oil and natural gas workers completely. Uh, we told them that's not on. We are going to be phasing out emissions. We are not going to be phasing out oil and natural gas jobs. And they seem to have acknowledged that with their, with their legislation that came forward that includes opportunities for us to invest in carbon capture, utilization and storage, hydrogen, uh, LNG export. And those are the things that I think we can find in common. But there are two other pieces of legislation that they have, have indicated that they intend to come forward with. One is net zero electricity by 2035, which uh, during the campaign we made it very clear was, was not affordable for our province. Uh, the Alberta Electric System Operator said it would cost $52 billion alone and add, of, uh, and add, I think it was 40%, to the cost of individual power bills. And, and we know from what we just went through over this past winter that that's going to cause major hardship to our small businesses and to our, our fixed-income seniors and anyone else who is low-income. So we, we can't do that. That's too quick a time frame. But they still have indicated they intend to come forward with that legislation. The third piece of legislation that they uh, intend to come forward with was is an emissions cap. They have said that they want an emissions cap of 42 percent um, reduction for oil and natural gas by 2030. That's seven years from now. We've also told them that is simply not achievable. So part of my my discussion with them this afternoon is going to be that we put forward our emissions reduction and energy development plan. 
We are going to take the lead on developing an emissions reduction plan that works for Alberta while maintaining our economic growth. And we need to bring them into alignment with what it is that we want to do and get them back to their original commitment of carbon neutrality by 2050. We, we think that that's achievable, uh, especially with so many industries that are putting forward their own plans. Pathways has a 20, uh, 2050 target. Air Products has a 2050 target. Dow Chemical has a 2050 target. So I think part of, is, of this dialogue is just figuring out how we can align on a 2050 goal and then work together on making sure that the pace of that, um, of achieving that goal is realistic. And that, that's what our conversation is going to be about. Thank you. And now we'll go to the next question at the mic. Oh, Mr. Bell. Good day. I hope they'll still have the chili uh, if you end up selling your place. Um, the... I am, I, am, I am a fan of the chili, that is. Um, I've talked to a lot of people in other parts of Canada who might not think, they, they see something like you might, you know, you're going to draw a line in the sand, which you indicated on Wednesday. You talk about the Sovereignty Act or about other measures, but, and then you put out a statement saying uh, certain things will be unacceptable and not negotiable and other things won't be. But what message do you have to people in Alberta and elsewhere in Canada, including the federal liberal government, to people who say, it's just rhetoric, it's just Alberta. Hmm. If I may play devil's advocate, it's Alberta. They always complain. They complained before, they'll complain again, they're complaining now. They're not serious, they're just uh, shadow boxing, political posturing, however you want to call it. What do you say to people in the rest of Canada and in Alberta about the charge that Sounds good on paper, but you might not be willing to actually act if something does not, if that uh, kumbaya doesn't happen. I'll tell you what's different this time. I mean, in the past, whether it was with Pierre Trudeau or any of a successive number of federal politicians, the fight was always how much additional wealth can be extracted from Alberta to benefit Ottawa. That was always what we, the fight was before. We've never faced a government that wants to shut our economy down and wants to shut down our energy industry and wants to phase out our oil and natural gas workers to their own detriment. That's what makes this different, is that the, the aspirations, the ideological aspirations that have been put on the table with targets pulled out of the air by politicians who know nothing about our local environment and how unachievable it is, it's my job to make sure that they understand that it is unachievable, that it does not only harm us, it harms them. As I, I mentioned to the Prime Minister when I spoke with him, I said, when we do well, we actually generate a heck of a lot of federal, uh, federal revenue in corporate income taxes and personal income taxes. The federal government has its own issues in trying to get to a balanced budget. There is no margin for them in shutting down our economy or shutting down our industry or chasing away investment. And so I'm, I'm pretty direct and clear on that. I've had that direct conversation with the prime minister several times. I'm going to have that direct conversation with ministers in LeBlanc and Wilkinson today. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to find the areas that, that we can work together because there's such an appetite on the part of our industry to, to be investing in the kind of technologies that they want to see that will reduce emissions. There, sh there should be the ability to have a kumbaya moment. I think that was just your term. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is we, there's a hard line. We're, ju we're just not shutting down our oil and natural gas industry. We're, we're not phasing out our oil and natural gas workers. So just to follow up, um, 
pardon me if some people who are listening in or will be reading tomorrow might not necessarily trust the Trudeau government <laughs> to do the right thing. So again, for those people, how serious, it's one thing to say it at a podium, it's another thing when you're looking at them straight in the face or talking to the Prime Minister, um, how serious are you to, in drawing that line in the sand? Again, the message for Canada and for Albertans. I, I'm I've drawn the line in the sand. I, I put forward our emissions reduction and energy development plan for a reason, because I'm sending the message to Ottawa that we are going to chart our own pathway to meet our, our national commitment of being carbon neutral by 2050, and they've got to come into alignment with us. And I, I think the fact that uh, Minister Wilkinson and Minister LeBlanc are flying out today to meet me is a good sign. I think that uh, they're taking it seriously, and we're, we'll see if we can come up with a working group about how we're going to, to achieve that. And, and that's what I'm hoping we can do. I'm very cautious, though, too, because I, uh, I remember, along with everybody else, when uh, the tinkling of the champagne glasses, thinking that we'd had it, that um, when Peter Law, he thought he'd had a deal with, with Pierre Trudeau, and it turned out to be something very, very different than he thought he was agreeing to. And then he spent the rest of his time fighting to make sure that we got our resources back. So I'm not going to be naive about it either. We're going to do, we're going to be industry-led on this. We're going to make sure that we're always in alignment with what industry says is achievable, what industry is investing in. And we, it is our job to be an advocate for ourselves and industry about how we're going to reach that target in a way that draws investment in rather than pushes it away. So I'm, I'm going to be very cautious in the discussions as well. I'm, I think we have reason to have a lack of trust, frankly, with the way the federal government has treated us over the last decade, cancelling projects that have been approved, uh, putting in legislation designed to prevent us from building pipelines and exporting our product, coming through with regulations and legislation without consultation, interfering in our, our jurisdiction time and time again. It's why I drew a line in the sand, and I'm, I'm glad to see that they're prepared to have a conversation with us about it. Thanks no, I'm not allowed a third question, but right. what is the line in the sand? Just very quickly, one sentence. What is that line in the sand? They, there is no way we will agree to shutting down our oil and natural gas industry or phasing out our oil and natural gas workers. It's not going to happen. Perfect. And we'll leave it there. And uh, do we have any more questions from the floor? Hi, Jordan with CTV News. Uh, a couple of unrelated questions. There was a, an open letter by the Canadian Medical Association Journal calling emergency room situation across Canada a crisis. We, uh, a lot of that having to do with a lack of staff. We have seen that at some emergency departments here in Alberta, including Milk River, that has had staffing issues. Uh, people in that community say Alberta Health, Alberta Health Services just isn't moving quick enough to try to get enough staff to keep that emergency department open. What else can the province do, or what else is the province prepared to do to try to keep emergency departments, not just in Milk River, but across the province? I'm glad you've acknowledged that it's a national problem, because it is a national problem. And I, I'm very encouraged by the moves that Alberta Health Services made to address one part of that problem, which was that we were making ambulances line up, you know, 15 to 20 deep at most of our acute care hospitals and pulling in ambulances from rural Alberta, that, that problem has effectively been solved. And part of it was by adding more resources to emergency room to be able to offload and onboard patients so that the, our paramedics could get back out into the field again. So to have seen that kind of success in a short period of time, the next stage is making sure that we can address uh, emergency rooms. But it's got three parts to it. One part is making sure everybody has got a primary care practitioner so that if something happens in evenings and weekends, they have a primary care 
practitioner, a team practice that can take care of them, as opposed to ending up at the most expensive door, which is an emergency room door. So that's one thing. The, the second thing is making sure that we've got a robust home care and continuing care system as well, so that individuals can uh, stay healthfully in their homes longer, so that that also takes the pressure off the system. And I suppose there's, third, uh, there's a, a third aspect to it, which is making sure that mental health and addiction treatment beds are available. It's part of the reason why we're developing our recovery communities is that we know that many individuals who are um, on the streets um, suffering from mental health and addiction uh, end up in hospital rooms and puts that extra pressure on. So we need an alternative for them to go to get the treatment that we need. None of those things are fast, but we, I think we've diagnosed the problem that all roads have led to the emergency rooms for too long. And we've got to build out those three other points of entry. And so that's, we've all, we're already well underway on all three of those additional measures. And we'll, we'll, uh, I'll be talking with, uh, with the um, Alberta Health Services, with my new health minister, about how we can accelerate some of the ease of being able to access emergency services in, in the hospital rooms. Uh, just on a separate question, given that Cabinet and Treasury Board voted on this fuel tax relief, mm -hmm. Can you give us an idea of what else has been approved, uh, especially here in Calgary? There's a lot of questions about whether that event center funding related to that has been approved by the Treasury Board. Is there anything else? The, uh, the event center has to go through the Treasury Board approval process. I don't think it's uh, diarized yet from uh, Minister Horner's point of view. But, but the Treasury Board now ha is up and running and is able to meet on a weekly basis. At the moment, I believe there's still some final... Uh, wording on the memorandum and agreement between the city, us, and the team. And as soon as that wording is finalized, it'll go to Treasury Board for approval. I think we're, we're targeting to have it approved by September, uh, but it depends on how quickly the lawyers can do the work on that. Perfect. Thank you. We're just going to go to the phone for a couple questions here. First, uh, operator, could you put through the first caller, please? Thank you. David Stables, Edmonton Journal. Thanks for taking my call. Premier uh, Russell Brown has resigned from the Supreme Court. Um, he was known as a strong supporter of individual rights and provincial rights. What concerns do you have about his departure? And are you worried about a lack of diversity of opinion on the Supreme Court going forward? I'm very concerned that uh, he stepped down and that we're losing a conservative voice on, on, the, uh, on the Supreme Court. Also very concerned about the lack of balance that we have in the composition of the Supreme Court. Ontario gets a dedicated three. Quebec gets a dedicated three. And I think the West gets two and Atlanta, Canada gets one. So there's not even any real guarantee that we'll have an Alberta judge there. And we've got really important decisions coming before the Supreme Court. They're in the middle of deciding on Bill C-69, which we've called the No More Pipelines Bill. We've got, we've, we're intervening on a case Dow Chemical is bringing forward on declaring plastics toxic. And there, there are so many issues that really affect our foundational uh, provincial rights that I, I am very concerned about it. So um, all I can hope is that the, the federal government is mindful of that and make sure that they bring somebody in who has a similar perspective that uh, the, the former justice has so that we're able to make sure that we have a, a robust and balanced discussion when it comes to the, the Constitution and the division of powers. And it was like um, for a follow-up. Yeah, for a follow-up, do you have um, any? You've talked about you know if things push comes to shove, pushing the government hard, the federal government hard with the Sovereignty Act, and 
and saying, you know, we're going to stand up on the emissions cap and on other major issues for Alberta. Are you, and having it go to the Supreme Court, do you think Alberta can get a fair shake given the lack of diversity of opinion on that Supreme Court? Do you think we can actually win there and get a fair shake from the Supreme Court on our constitutional rights? Well, I have to be hopeful that we can. Um, one of the things I would observe is that the, the provinces are getting increasingly frustrated with the level of federal interference in their jurisdiction. I've been to now a number of different meetings of my uh, colleagues across the country, and I can tell you we're not the only ones who feel like the federal government is overstepping. And you can see that when the premiers get together on an issue, we can move the federal government. We're, we're all very concerned about the catch-and-release system that we have on violent and serious offenders continuing with the revolving door of going in and out of the system. And the federal government, with the pressure of us and the national chiefs, responded. So I have already raised this with my counterparts. I'll be going to Whistler on uh, Monday, Tuesday, for our, our Western Premier's Conference meeting. I'll be going to the Council of the Federation in Winnipeg in mid-July. And these are the issues that are on the table, is how can we form a, a coalition of like-minded premiers to, to push back against federal interference? So you, you may see more of that kind of collaboration. I would note, for instance, that not only has Saskatchewan raised concerns about the same issues we have, especially the net zero electricity grid, which is even more difficult for Saskatchewan with their dependence on coal. But Atlantic provinces also have uh, a, a power grid that is that is reliant on untraditional hydrocarbon fuels. Atlantic provinces are also concerned about the, the uh, rising cost of the, the retail fuel tax. Uh, all of the provinces are concerned that there seems to be one price that's a floor price in Quebec and another price everywhere else. That doesn't seem to be a very equal way of treating the provinces in Confederation. So I can tell you those are very active conversations. And I don't look at the Supreme Court as being the only way that we can push back against the federal government. It is certainly one way. But uh, having a, a coalition of the, of the provinces and premiers is another. Thank you. Operator, can you put through the next caller, please? John Bray, Calgary Herald. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, could you tell me, perhaps for Mr. Horner, and then I had a question for the Premier, uh, how much in total is the uh, tax relief going to cost? And could you explain what happens after January 31st? I take it you're kicking back to the uh, measures that ex-Premier Kenny brought in about uh, having uh, trigger points for relief. Uh, so, number one, how much will, will this cost in total, do you anticipate, and what uh, happens after uh, next January 1st? Thank you, John. Yeah, good question. Uh, the expectation is that this will cost the Treasury about $520 million uh, to keep the pause on till the new year. Uh, after the new year, uh, we'll go back to the, uh, the, the original program where you would see uh, zero tax when oil was over $90, and you would see full tax when oil was under $80. Uh, between 80 and $85, uh, you would see a nine cents per liter uh, tax, and between 85 and 90, it would be at four and a half cents. I should note that uh, it is part of the program that if if and when it does come back into play, it will come in a staged way. So we won't go, we won't jump right to the 13 cents, uh, reg regardless of the price. I believe the way it's written now, the most it could be would be nine cents. Uh, but that's the way the program's written, and unless there's another extension, that's what you could expect uh, come January 1st. Thank you. Uh, could I ask the Premier, um, we've all heard of the Sovereignty Act, and your talk is uh, 
pretty pretty tough here, even though you're conciliatory uh, and, and aspiration. Uh, the only thing that's been brought in so far that I can detect that, that really is, fits the spirit of the Sovereignty Act is Bill 8, where you decreed that federal authorities can't decide who gets to keep a gun in Alberta. It has to be a provincial authority. And I'm wondering if there is at this moment uh, actual planning going on for um, Sovereignty Act measures you might bring to the House uh, should certain things happen or not happen on the emissions cap and on electricity and so forth. Uh, is the Sovereignty Act permanently in sort of in the background the way it was in the campaign, or are you getting ready to roll it out? I think that act reset the relationship with the federal government. That, that was the purpose of it. it. It was really telling them you can't unilaterally just interfere in our area of jurisdiction any longer. you got to talk with us. And I, I think we've had some constructive conversations in, in the last number of months, and I think we'll have another constructive conversation today. I have a brand-new justice minister, Mickey Amory, and so I, uh, I haven't had – he's just gotten briefed. So we, we, we clearly are, haven't uh, uh, done the work of trying to figure out – what, if any, measures need to come forward in the fall. But I'm going to be hopeful in this conversation because one of the things I did say when asked when I would invoke it, it was if they put an unrealistic, unachievable emissions cap on our oil and gas, which would effectively be a production cap, and if they put an unrealistic and unachievable emissions cap on fertilizer, which would essentially be a cap on food production. Those have always been the two circumstances that I have said that we would have to draw a very strong line. And so I prefer negotiation, and I prefer trying to find some common ground. And we've been able to find common ground with the feds in the past on the $24 billion health care deal, on the $3.8 billion child care deal to get to $10 a day daycare by 2026, and most recently on their help and assistance in the, in the wildfires and helping to bring in the Canadian military. So I've, I've seen that we can have constructive relationship with the federal government and work together in areas of common interest, and that's what I'm hoping that we'll be able to continue doing. I want to take the temperature down, be less combative. I've, I said from my very first conversation with the prime minister that we were not going to be offside with this aspiration to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. And we confirmed that with the legislation or with the, uh, the policy that we brought forward just before the election, the Emissions Reduction and Energy Development Plan. That was me meeting him halfway. And now I'm asking him to meet us halfway and not bring through damaging regulations and damaging new laws that would chase investment away. And I guess we'll see how these conversations go over the next weeks. Thank you. And, uh, operator, can you put through our next caller, please? Thank you. Save Kaiser Global News. Good afternoon, Madam Premier. I know I've asked this before, the former Premier and the former Finance Minister numerous times, but how do you ensure these gas stations actually give Albertans the savings instead of pocketing it themselves? I mean, every time I've asked this in the past, uh, usually I've gotten a word salad answer from the former Premier and then Finance Minister about how gas stations want to keep prices low for you, but we saw several times the companies try to keep that money for themselves. The savings weren't passed on until the former premier said he wants to investigate price fixing after several reports, and then magically, probably coincidentally, those prices dropped again, probably unrelated. But how do we make sure we don't see a cycle of that moving forward? Well, Service Alberta has the ability to enact consumer protection um, fines if uh, if companies are gouging. And so I think that what you saw when the former premier looked into that, that was one of the tools that he was, uh, that he was going to 
uh, to use. I think uh, Minister Glubish at the time was Service Alberta Minister. Minister Dale Nally is now our Service Alberta and Red Tape Reduction Minister. And so uh, he, he, we've done the, the, the review in the past. We have the internal um, uh, institutional memory on how to do that. And that, that will be our expectation going forward. So uh, since Dale Nally is, is, has been in the position now a few months, I'm, I'm, I'm quite certain that uh, he's already alive to the issue. And if there is a problem, that, that will be the, the person who's going to make sure that he addresses it with the, with the companies. But you can see, I mean, just look at where our gas prices is. Our gas prices are relative to the rest of the country. I think one of the most recent infographics we put out, I think we're about a buck thirty-nine, whereas in Vancouver they're somewhere around a buck eighty, I think. And so people people can see that, that Alberta has a, a far uh, more favorable environment for fuel taxes, and that's what we wanted to achieve. And a follow-up, Steve. Yeah, I do. Uh, the feds, uh, Madam Premier, this conversation with you, obviously they seem interested in not causing another divide between Ottawa and Alberta, or at least having the image of appeasing Alberta with a conversation. Having said that, how do you make sure that line in the sand that you say you drew quite clearly is actually respected and not just trampled on? I, I guess we'll see uh, where they're willing to partner with us, because I think that will demonstrate goodwill on their part. For instance, uh, they're prepared to meet us partway on the issue of the uh, final investment decision Dow Chemical wants to make in its petrochemical plant that they have uh, proposed. They're pre prepared to meet us partway on, uh, on uh, tax incentives for air products, which is a, a net zero hydrogen facility. They're prepared to meet us partway on the, uh, the Pathways project to build out carbon capture, utilization, and storage technology. They had an announcement this morning with uh, Mayor Gondek in Calgary about being willing to pay up to $325 million for net zero buses. So I look at those as, um, as proof points that they're prepared to work with us on things that make sense for our economy. And we'll continue to have those, those conversations. I, I had a conversation with Minister Champagne last week. And he's very excited about uh, the potential for us to be able to identify ways that we can bring in tax credits that are matched so that we can continue to, to bring in the, ki the kind of investment like I just described. And so the, the question will be how much of that is going to continue and whether there's a reasonable time frame for us to be able to implement the policies. I think that's what, where the difference is. So that I, I think we, we share the same objective, but at the moment they're putting forward policies that would, uh, would actually hamstring what it is that they're trying to achieve. Because it would scare away investment to have targets that are, that are simply unachievable with today's technology. So I'm looking for proof points. I'm seeing some, some positive signs. And that's why I, I'm very hopeful in our conversations. Thank you. And we're going to go back to the floor for our last two questions today. Uh, if you want to step up to the mic. Hi, Colleen Andrewood, CBC News. Uh, for the Premier, again, off topic, uh, last Friday night, there was a anti-LGBTQ protest in Calgary where there were about 400 people attending. And the keynote speaker was David Parker. Just wondering if you had any comments on him speaking to such an event. You'll have to talk to him about that. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. And we'll go to our last question here on the floor. Sean Polzer, Western Standard. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on cabinet ministers bearing gifts and if they are conditional on any contribution from the provincial government. Can you I'm just speaking elaborate? about the, the uh, transit grants that were announced this morning for the city. Are they conditional on the, the oh. province um, matching any dollars? Oh, I guess I'll find out in my meeting this afternoon <laughs> because we were waiting to see what the uh, announcement would be ourselves. 
uh, we we have not received an ask like that from the from the city, and we have not received an ask from the from the the federal government. I think I've made it clear that I, I believe our opportunity is in hydrogen vehicles, especially with the work being done by the Alberta Motor Transport Association to get dual-use vehicles with diesel and hydrogen as an interim step maybe towards ultimately hydrogen vehicles. Um, so we think that long-haul vehicles and, and other type of vehicles, especially in this province with the vast distances, that that may be a more practical approach for the vast majority of our economy. But, you know, I uh, congratulate Calgary and Edmonton on both taking uh, measures that they think are, are right for them. So, But we have not been asked to, to cost share on that. Okay, and with respect to the fuel tax, my understanding is that a pretty good portion of it goes back into road maintenance and to municipalities. How does that money get made up in the interim? Let me uh, throw that over to the finance minister. Well, it, it does it does go to general revenue, but I think that is that is the intention behind behind the tax. But I would say that when you're if you're just patient enough to get to our first quarter reporting in August, I think people will see a lot of the relief that we're seeing. There's there's other things happening in the province, uh, you know, being led by interprovincial migration and a strong diversified economy that are allowing us to to make uh, programs like this last a little longer. So everyone will see that soon. Okay, and I, I don't mean to overstep, but uh, thoughts of uh, EV tax, road tax for electric vehicles? Uh, I've, I've heard about it discussed in, in policy rooms at, uh, you know, with municipalities and the like, but it's never never been brought to me in this role or uh, been discussed at around the cabinet table that I'm aware of, but maybe, and maybe we want the Premier to answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, we'll leave it there today. <laughs> Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us for the Q&A. And for the cameras here, there will be an opportunity for some B-roll footage outside. Thank you.